We've been looking at the Psalms. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I love the Psalms. And like I've uh, been saying every uh, week, that the fun part about being in the Psalms is it's not a narrative, right? It's not a story that you're hearing, that you're being told. You're actually kind of getting in uh, into the very soul of, of these writers and you're learning about how they're feeling. Uh, and that's kind of fun to be in a, you know, in a place in the Bible that's a little bit more touchy-feely, right? A little more emotional, a little bit more, you know, to me, uh, a little bit more about what I feel like matters, which is kind of what's going on inside and how we think and, and all that kind of, kind of speaks to your soul. Whereas, you know, other parts of the Bible, the narrative kind of speaks to our intellect, you know? We, we can understand, oh, this is what God's teaching and this is, you know, oh, okay, we can believe and okay, I see and, and learn kind of educationally, but then the Psalms kind of go, you know what, we're really going to get out of the, the, the mental part of, of learning about God and we're going to learn about him kind of on a soul level, which to be honest with you, I am not an intellectual. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I am not an intellectual. I've never been an intellectual. I'm a, a, a feeling kind of guy. And I already know all my, all, I know Mike's back there is like going to take away my man card after uh, the service. But that's just the truth. You, you take, take it or leave it. That's who I am. Um, I'm, I'm way more of a kind of on a soul level type of person uh, where, you know, I, I just, I feel a lot and I'm passionate about things. And, and, you know, I'm not one of those guys that just, man, they are so smart, so intellectual, so, you know. But that's why I love the Psalms, because if you're not one of those intellectuals, you can really relate. You can get kind of on the gut level uh, with David and the gut level of these authors of, of how they're feeling and what they're believing and what's going on around them. And it's not all about just knowing about the truths of God. It's believing, right? It's feeling. It's knowing that I, I feel God deep way down in here. Because I'll tell you something, you can spend your whole life knowing about God and never truly, you know, know him. Are you following me? Are you tracking what I'm saying? You could be an intellectual. In fact, these were the type of people that Jesus was even addressing when he kind of, you know, beat him over the head with like, come on, guys, because they were all about just the intellect of God and they weren't about the soul level. God is so much more, you know, he's so much more and he wants to relate with us on that level. And that's what I love about the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalms 91 today. So if you have your Bibles, Psalms 91. This is not a Psalm of David. Uh, this Psalm is actually uh, uh, anonymous. Uh, they, they're not quite sure who wrote it. But it's interesting because as I, I read it, it almost could be a Psalm of David. And it's probably because these guys uh, respected David and, you know, he was their king and things like that. So... You know, they would have known him, they would have known his writings, they would have uh, known his story. So, you know, you're going to see similarities in Psalm 91, but it's not attributed to David. But Psalm 91 speaks to our fears. And I don't know about you, but life is full of them, right? Every one of you can attest that there have been times in your life that if you have been very, very afraid. And I, I want to look at a couple scriptures before, and I don't have them uh, uh, up, so you're just going to have to listen. You can write them down, though. Matthew 24, 4. And these are prophetic kind of end times 
uh, scriptures in the Bible where, where Jesus and even uh, Paul write about, this is how you will know that you are living in the end times. This is how you will know that Christ is coming soon because these are the signs of the times that you will see. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, don't even, I don't even like turning on the news anymore. Anybody feel the same way? Anybody know that? You know what? I, you kind of want to hear what's going on in the news, but you know if you sit and leave it on for too long that you are going to be utterly depressed uh, by the end of the hour. And that's usually how I feel. I'm, usually, I just, I'm sickened by all the awful things that are going on in the world. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. If I, if I kind of buy into this fear, it, the fear takes root and it wells up inside of me. And I have the tendency to react that way out of what is going on in the world out of fear. So let's look at uh, Matthew 24, 4 first. It says this, and just listen. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, by the in, uh, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the birth pains that are starting that signal, hey guys, guess what? And be ready, Jesus is coming back. Second Timothy uh, says this, this is Paul writing to Timothy and he's encouraging him. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, they will be very difficult times. Sound familiar? Is it difficult right now? Yeah, very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, obviously, the Bible says that, you know, we are to, you know, we are in the world, but not to be of the world. So, obviously, we've placed this in there. I don't share these scriptures to scare you. I share these scriptures to say, if you're wondering what is going on around you, I'm telling you right now, these are the birth pains that Christ is coming back soon. And that, if anything, as Christians, we can actually take, you know, this sense of, uh, of peace about it. I know it sounds crazy, but we can actually take a step back and go, guess what? God's coming back. These are the signs of the times. These are prophecies fulfilled. If you just open your eyes and look around you, everything I just read is already happening. In fact, if you were to even leave this country, you would even see it more in intense in other countries. The, the persecution and the things like that. It is happening. I don't share this with you to freak you out. Because the scripture that I'm going to share with you, if anything, should bring you peace. So now let's look at Psalm 91. I remember when 9-11 uh, happened. I remember the fear that crept up inside of me. Do you guys, 
Do you guys remember? I know you remember what happened. Do you remember how you felt? Remember how you felt when, when 9-11 happened? I, I immediately felt this sense of kind of this impending doom. I really felt like the world was falling apart. Not just literally, but I meant I felt like, my gosh, this is it. I mean, war has come to our nation. It's not something that, you know, we've seen uh, in our lifetime. It's not something, I mean, it, this didn't happen since the, you know, civil war, right? That war had taken place on, on, you know, our soil. And it scared me, and I wondered about my future. I wondered about my family's future, and I, and I started to kind of panic, and I started to have this anxiety, like, What's my future going to look like? What am I, what's my kid's future going to look like? And then the Lord gave me these, these scriptures. One of them was Psalms 91. One of them, though, was Isaiah 41.10. And I, I give it to you. Again, I apologize. I don't have it up on the, uh, the screen. But it says this. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. So now let's get into Psalm 91. Verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I want to stop right there. I have a question for you. Where do you live? And I don't mean physically. Where do you live? And this is what I mean. We have the tendency, and I've done this, and this is something that I feel like I'm still learning to do, but I have the tendency to only go to God when I need him. Right? Does that sound familiar? I only go to God when I need him. And I'm going to even put it this way. Are you a dog or are you a cat? Let me tell you what I mean. I have both at home. We have a dog and we have a cat. The cat only acknowledges me when the cat is hungry. Anybody have a cat? Any cat owners in here? Okay. The cat only acknowledges you when when the cat needs something from you. And by the way, the cat gets me every time. The cat comes in. We have a dog door, so the cat comes in like, I have just been out all day today. And and she meows, meow. And she comes over to me, and I'm like, oh, you know, her name's Finn. Oh, Finn. And I go to her, and she, she does. She rubs up against me, and then she heads straight to the kitchen. And I went, oh, you only acknowledged me because you wanted something from me, right? But we have a dog, okay? The dog, and I love this. Every time I come home, the dog is at the front door ready to jump into my arms. Any dog owners here? Yeah? I love dogs because dogs love you no matter what. Dogs just want to be around you. They want to be with you. You know, they're thankful that you feed them, but that's not all. You know, they just want to be in your presence and they want to play. And, you know, the, we, our dog brings us this little, we call it her baby, her, you know, and we throw it around. And, I mean, there's, you know, completely different relationships. So question for you, are you a dog Or are you a cat? Do we only go to God when we need something from him? And I'm learning this new thing about, you know what? I don't want to just go to God when I'm scared or or when, you know, the finances have run low or when somebody's sick. I want to dwell. I want to live in the shelter of the Most High. I want to make, you know, the relationship that I have with God, I want to live there. 
I don't want it to just be on Sundays, you know, I come to church and, 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 and you know, kind of enter into God's house and, and then, okay, God's service is over, I'll see you next week. And then we ignore him, we go about our week, and, and we don't bring him into any of the situations except, again, if your world is falling apart, cats. But why do we not make God our dwelling place? By the way, this is part, this is the thing that, that reminds me of David, because David talks about that. David says, I want to I live in your house. I want to live in your temple. I want to live there, God. I want to live in your presence. I want every moment of the day, I want you to be involved in it. Every minute, every hour, every nuance, everywhere I go, God, I want you there. I want to make you a part of it. And let me tell you something, you have to physically bring him into those places because he is going to wait because he's a patient God, right? He's not going to force himself upon you. He's given you free will. But the minute you call upon his name, he will be there. Let's look at verse two. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Let me stop right there for a second. Again, he's just, he's just the author of Psalms is just saying it again. He's, he's saying, you know, there's no other place that's going to provide the safety that you need. I don't know what you run to, but no other thing. There's nothing in this world that will provide the safety and security that God can give you. Verse 3. For he will rescue, rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Let me go back to, to verse 2. I apologize. There, I don't know if you noticed, but in verse 2, at the very end, there's that word trust again. We've been talking about this. This kind of seems to be a theme that keeps coming up in all of my sermons, this idea of trust. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have trust issues? I do, right? Because people have failed me. And I have the tendency, because people have failed me, I have the tendency to project that onto God, that God is somehow going to fail me. It was interesting because I was just looking uh, at, you know, I pulled out a bunch of change and, and put, was putting my money out on my, uh, right next to my bed, you know, from my pockets and things like that. And, and I was looking and I noticed, and I knew this, but it was just a reminder, on every single one of, my, of the currency, what does it say? In God we trust. Why do you think that's on our currency? So that we remind ourselves that even though I'm holding this thing that does stuff for me, right, that I am not to put my trust in this, that I am to put my trust in God, I am blown away that that phrase is still on our money. I am blown away that even in the culture of today that they haven't tried to remove it. And that's because I believe God will not allow it. That even on this, even on our currency, there is that reminder that do not trust in this, do not trust in 
you know, your job. Do not trust in whatever it is. Trust in God. Your trust should be in God alone. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Listen, there's a real enemy out there. And by the way, the enemy does a great job of hiding sometimes. But he lays traps for you. Have you ever seen a bear trap? Have you ever seen a bear trap? They are massive. You would not want to be caught in one. It will shred your leg to bits. It's to catch a bear. But in the spiritual realm, there are bear traps set for you. In fact, I know many people who are trapped in them because when you go to try to help them, what do they do? Think about it. If there's an animal... Just, just think about it in the physical. There's an animal in a trap, okay? Something that is painful for them. When you go and try to help them, they are going to try to bite you. They are going to try to say, get away, because they don't know that you're coming to help. But that is what it feels like when you see someone caught in that snare, that, that maybe sin or, you know, oppression or whatever it is that the devil's got them, you know, caught in, you go to help them, and what do they do? They try to bite your hand. They slap your hand away right? They, they react. That's how you know someone's trapped, if they're reacting that intensely. Be aware. Be aware if you're caught in something. And if someone is coming to try to reveal truth to you, be careful not to slap their hand away too quickly. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there something that I should take notice of? Are they trying to help me? Are they trying to help me? There are 3,573 promises in the Bible. I'm going to say it again. You can write it down. There are 3,573 promises in the Bible. This scripture says his faithful promises are your armor and protection. I'm going to give you homework right now. You need to start learning some of them. If there are over 3,000 promises, if you were just to memorize a handful, a dozen of his promises, your life would be so enriched. Because if you knew these were the things coming to you, these were the things that God has already promised to you. These are the things that you can hold on to. It will literally become your armor. If you are feeling like you are being beat up by life, if you end your day and you are exhausted, not just physically, but in your soul, let me tell you something. Go and learn the promises of God because they will be your armor and your protection. Does that sound familiar, that armor, right? Who else in the New Testament talked about the armor, putting on the full armor of God, right? Paul, it was Paul's thing. Now, by the way, Paul just didn't come up with that all by himself. He was probably very familiar with scripture. He'd probably heard it, and then he just really like laid it out for us. 
Put on the full armor of God. You guys, as Christians, stop being beat up by the enemy. By the way, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of those that wakes up and just starts in the you know, normal part, in the mundane part of my day, and then, boy, the enemy just comes, and he just hits me right where I'm weak. You don't have to live that way. You can begin to put on the full armor of God every day. And one of the ways that you can do that is by memorizing God's promises for you. God's promises for you. All right, verse five. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not Dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Let's stop right there. I've told this story before, but for those who haven't heard it, I really want to share it again. But for a very long time, I struggled with fear and anxiety at night. And I don't even, for the longest time, I didn't even understand why, but night would come around, and, and like some of you, you guys start falling asleep. I did the exact opposite. I was kind of, you know, pretty chill all day long, and as evening came around, all of a sudden, my adrenaline started to run. And we're talking 9, 10 o'clock at night, I felt like I could have gone and ran a marathon. That's where I felt like I had the most energy. And I used to just chalk it up that, oh, I'm a night owl. That's just the way I, I must be wired that way. Must be, you know. But I, my, my whole body, something would happen. This anxiety would come over. And then, you know, my whole family would go to bed. Sheila is a, you know, early to bed man. The moment she, her head touches the pillow, she is out. Anybody like that? The moment you touch it, I... I'm so jealous of you. So how many of you are like me? You lay down and all of a sudden an entire movie plays in your head. Like you are ready to, I, man, I, I, you know, yeah. You, all of a sudden you're thinking about your day. You're thinking about tomorrow. I mean, it just like, why all of a sudden the minute my head hits the, you know, that all of a sudden I can see clearly everything that I'm supposed to be doing. It's why I'm exhausted most of the time in the morning. So I would wonder, I was like, God, and I would pray about this, and I would walk around my house praying, but, and, and I would do this thing. I literally, my anxiety got so bad that I would walk around, and I would check all the windows and all the doors at least a dozen times. Not once, not twice, at least a dozen times. You know, I was, how many remember the movie with Jack Nicholson where, you know, he plays the writer and, and um, as good as it gets? Yeah, remember as good as it gets, and, and he would lock the seven, you know, one, two, three, and he counts. I felt like that. I felt like I was turning into that. And I was literally, I would lock, uh, you know, I would unlock it just to make sure maybe I didn't lock it all the way. I'd unlock it, and then I'd lock it again. And then I'd go check the windows, and I, I would tug on it. Okay, maybe I didn't really do it right. But something was coming over me. This fear had gripped my life, and it was controlling me. I went to a, um, a uh, was sitting with a counselor, and we were talking, and, and by the way, I did not even bring this whole thing up yet, and we're talking and stuff like that, and, and then he kind of got to, hey, so how, you know, anything else? I go, well, I'm, just, I'm really having a hard time sleeping. I'm really having a hard time at night, and so kind of unpacked that a little bit, and, and really it was over this whole kind of, you know, session, 
that I started putting the pieces together. And what I, what I came to discover was that when I was a little kid, when I was about five to seven years old, my parents used to argue at night. My parents used to fight. When my brother and I would go to bed and we were no longer you know, around, that's when the claws came out. That's when my mom and dad would finally have these arguments. In fact, they used to have such screaming matches that my brother and I would wake up, we would walk down the hallway, and I have vivid memories of my brother and I standing in the hallway listening. And that fear, it's when that seed was planted in my life, this fear that something was wrong and something bad was happening. And I carried that seed of fear for a long time, 30 plus years that I carried this seed of fear until I recognized it. And the moment I recognized it, it didn't go away. But the moment I recognized what I did was I finally gave it to God. I finally said, God, take this fear from me because it's, you know, the fear that I had as a child, that no harm's gonna come to me, that there's nobody fighting, you know, out there anymore, that no one's gonna come and rip my family apart anymore, that it's not going to happen. And I had to give it to God. And can I tell you, the moment I did that, I have finally found peace at night. I finally sleep better. I don't go and unlock and lock that. I still lock the doors, but I'm down to one, maybe two times. <laughs> I'm not doing it a dozen times. But don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Verse 9. Here we go again. We're going back to verse 1. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a, on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. I realize that here's a, here's a promise of God. Here's one of these 3,000 or plus promises. If you make... God, your refuge, if God is the place that you go and find refuge, if God is the place that you run to first, then, it says, then no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. There's an action on our part. Because of free will, you have the opportunity. Where do you run when times are tough? When the going gets tough, where do you go, right? When the going gets tough, where do you run off to? What do you run, what, what is it that you use to soothe your, your pain or your fears or your anxieties or what is it? If you run to God first, it says, no evil will conquer you. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. There is a scripture in here, and I don't know if you recognized it. It says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you 
up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Where, where, does, where have you heard that before? That's right, thank you. Jesus was taken out into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan. Satan quoted scripture. But Satan quoted scripture out of context. You see, Jesus knew the word of God and he spoke the word of God back to them and he said, for you shall not test the Lord your God. You don't just go and throw yourself in front of a train and say, okay, God, I I believe in you're all powerful. Save me. Woo! Right? We don't test God that way. We trust God. We don't test God. We trust God. So don't let the enemy twist scripture. Don't let the enemy use these and twist it and don't make it about you. It's God's promise for you that if you are in a place that evil is coming, that that, that death is surrounding you, God will come to your rescue. You can count on it. I just want to talk about angels for, for just a quick moment. It says God will send his angels to protect you. I pray over my home every night before we go to bed when I'm praying with my, with my girls. I pray that God's protection, and I always pray that God send your angels down to protect our home. I don't know about you, but I believe in angels. I believe in angels. Uh, Many of you know, uh, you know, have maybe heard this story from Sheila, but Sheila believes she actually had an encounter with one because uh, when she was a teenager, she had gone uh, to the beach and they were swimming out there. Well, she had got caught in an undercurrent and it was pulling her out and literally she was becoming exhausted and she was drowning. And she turned around and there was this guy on a surfboard and literally said, she said, she doesn't even know where he came from, but he was on the surfboard, pulled her up on the surfboard, swam her into shore, and then, you know, about where they could touch, she, she stood up, and she started to walk into the beach, and so she turned around to thank him, and there was no one there. No one. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know, but I'll tell you something. Sheila usually does not make up stories like that. For, all, for any of you who know her, she usually does not make up stories like that. I believe in angels. They're God's messengers. But I want to say this, there's something uh, that I believe in more than just the, these beings that God created to, to do kind of his bidding. I also believe in real, physical, human flesh angels. That's you. That's me. I believe that God would rather use you to go and minister to somebody in the flesh. Because then that person can see God in the flesh through you. I honestly believe this scripture is, is, is broader than just about, I do believe in angels. I do believe angels protect us. I do believe that there's a spiritual war going on that, that angels are involved in. But I don't feel like that limits us from not being God's messengers. Not being that instrument of, of ministry to someone. That you, I have seen real angels. I have seen the people that we would call the church, God's church, I have seen those angels in action before. And I believe that is something, that is a responsibility that we, we should not take lightly. That God would rather much, he would rather use you than have to, you know, use, you know, one of his, one of his angels. Here's the final three verses. 
Verse 14 says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who, what? Trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. The psalm ends with a personal promise from the Lord. Again, here's another one of those promises. This is a word from the Lord. This is straight from God's mouth. This isn't Paul writing to Timothy or anything like that. This isn't, you know, this is a word from the Lord. This is a promise that you can hold on to. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. You guys, this is why I'm, I'm beating this trust word to, you know, a pulp is because I think we need to get this. And I'm going to be the first to admit I don't trust God all the time. I have what they call a momentary lapse of atheism, right? I, mean, I don't think I said that right. <laughs> I lapse into momentarily <laughs> atheism. It's just a moment of atheism, but I do it. Why is it that I could trust God in one moment? I'll be praying for you or something like that, and I believe in, oh, man, you know, we can pray for you, and God's going to blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go over here, and I'll look at our bank account, and I'll see that it's completely empty, and I freak out. Oh, God, oh, this is it. This is when it all happens. This is when I become homeless, you know? This is when City Church comes to me and brings me a blanket. But why do we do that? Why do we panic? Why do we have this, you know, this lapse of God and all of a sudden momentarily become an atheist? I do this. And by the way, I believe God has grace on us, right? He has much, much grace. But think about it. Think about what that is. When we don't trust God, we're saying, God, you can't handle it. We're saying, God, I don't know. I, I don't think you're powerful. Think about what you're saying when you don't put your trust in God. And then he ends by saying, he will reward you with a long life. Even better, that life is that salvation, that eternal life. The reward that we get is that eternal life in him this should bring peace and comfort to you because here's the thing the storms in your life are going to be there the 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 earthquakes in your life the spiritual earthquakes are going to happen the attacks right it's going to happen but it's how we react to those things in our life. It's what we put our trust in in that moment. Am I going to put my trust in myself or am I going to put my trust in God? Am I going to listen to him? Am I going to rest in that? Because then you will find peace even in the middle of your storms. I don't know how you pray. I don't know if you pray and say, you know, Lord, take this from me. Take this away. Take this. I, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I very rarely see God necessarily take this situation, uh, you know, away. What God says is, you know what I will do, though? I will walk you through it. I will be with you in it. Because there is where you will learn to rest and fall upon God and trust in him and have peace in him. 
So let me ask this question one more time. Where do you live? Where do you live? What are you running to? Where do you find shelter? When the going gets tough, where do you go? Let's pray. Ship team, you guys can come back up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you for your promise. Your promise that you are there. Your promise is that you're not going anywhere. Your promise that if we seek you, we will find you. Your promise that if we call upon your name, you will hear. That you're not too far away. That you care. That you care about every single thing that we are going through. Lord, let us learn to trust in you. Let us learn to trust in you. So like me, I want you to ask yourself, what is that thing that seems to just strike fear in you? What is that thing in your life that's happening right now that when you think about it, this just anxiety comes over? What is it that you need to put your trust in the Lord that you need to give to God? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your physical well-being? Is it your finances? Because God cares and he sees. And like it was mentioned this morning, God has already gone before you. He has already prepared that place. He is already, he's already there, in fact, in that situation. I found healing when I acknowledged what it was that gave me anxiety that caused fear and when I gave it to God I found healing and I believe some of you are looking for that same healing that when God talks about healing in the Bible it's not always just physical sometimes healing is relational it's our relationship that needs to heal with him find freedom, you will find peace, you will find joy, all those things that God offers. But we, we have to make the decision to find shelter in Him, to turn to Him. Do not live 30 plus years 
with that kind of anxiety and fear. Sleepless nights. Father God, we give those things to you. We ask that you would speak to us and minister to us right now. Father God, I just pray your peace. I just sense that maybe not outwardly, but some of you are living in turmoil inside. And so I speak to that storm in your soul right now. And just as Jesus spoke to the storm, I speak to it and I say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And I would encourage you, that might be something you need to say on a regular basis to your storm. Peace, be still in Jesus' name. together and can we sing this last worship song to the Lord?